What I have in my heart today is I want to talk to you about making room for a breakthrough. Making room for a breakthrough. For breakthrough to begin, we must believe first and foremost that God is good. The Bible says he is a sun and shield and that no good thing will he ever withhold from them that will walk uprightly before him. Amen. And so Jesus wants to have to see great breakthroughs in all of our lives. And last week we defined breakthrough. Let me give you a couple of quick definitions. Breakthrough is any significant or sudden advance, development, achievement, or increase that removes a barrier to progress. I like what Jerry Savelle says. Jerry Savelle says this, Breakthrough is an explosion of his goodness. It's when God suddenly releases his power in such a way that it overwhelms you and drives out your enemies. Isn't that good? Praise God. Now, George Miller said this, a great, great man of God who lived uh, many, many years ago, said, faith doesn't operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which man can do. But faith begins where man's power ends. Amen? Now, understand this, that breakthrough is not just something we sit around and wait for. We must find what the Word of God says, act on the Word of God, and then the power of God is released to do supernaturally what you could never do for yourself. And so this word last week as I was looking at this message is to make room. And the way that we can make room for breakthrough is make sure that there are no breakthrough blockers standing in our way. And that's kind of what I want to address today a little bit is some of those breakthrough uh, barriers. Amen. Now, in Romans chapter 2 and verse 4, thank you so much, Frank. We'll just put it right under here. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. In Romans 2, 4, it talks about that it is the goodness of God. Everyone say the goodness of God will lead us to repentance. Now, one of the biggest breakthrough blockers, that which keeps us from getting breakthroughs, is sin in our life. And so what we need to do is we need to confess our sins, but we need to take it a step further and actually repent of our sins. And so repentance is a change of heart. It's a change of mind that always will lead to a change of behavior in our lives. So the question would be then, Pastor Mark, how then do I repent? How do I make room for God's supernatural power in my life? Well, I'm glad you asked. The book of James in chapter 4 in verse 7 clearly tells us how you and I can do that. The first part of verse 7 says this, submit yourself to God. In other words, be subject to God. Come under his authority Come under his plan. Come under his will for our lives. One translation says, so give yourself completely and submit to God. Or to place yourself under his authority. So once you do that, when you say, Jesus is not just my Savior, but Jesus is Lord, and I'm submitted to your word and to your ways, then you can stand up when the tempter comes to try to bring sin back into your life. You then can stand and resist the devil. And what will the enemy do? He will absolutely flee from us. One translation says that this way. 
stand firm, resist the devil, and the devil will run from you. And I had this thought in my heart as I was preparing that standing firm against the temptation is a part of the repentance process. When you've asked for forgiveness and you have repented and you have submitted and now you are resisting, how many of you know that the tempter is going to knock on your door every now and then? Or he'll tempt on your door because he's looking for a place. And so we don't want to... Repentance does not mean walking in condemnation. Repentance doesn't mean asking forgiveness over and over and over again. When you ask for forgiveness, is he not faithful? Is he not just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness? But repentance is more of a mindset. It's a change of habit. It's a change of behavior. It's daily looking to the Holy Spirit, asking for his help to recognize and avoid the triggers that have seduced us into sin in the past. I'm going to say it this way. Repentance is not just asking forgiveness. Repentance is how you act as a way of life. So submit, resist, and the next part says, draw near to him. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Come close to God, and he will come close to you. That means stay close in your relationship with him. Read the word of God. Make sure that you're living and walking with him on a daily basis. I like the old song, just a closer walk with you. And you know what will happen when you walk close with him? You will become more aware of him than the sin that's around you. You'll become more aware of the greater one who lives in you than the lesser one that's trying to seduce you back into an old way of life. Somebody said amen. Thank God we're new creations in Christ. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And when we draw near to God, the Bible says he will come close to us. And when he comes close to us, he inhabits, praise God, and saturates our life. And we're filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. Somebody say glory to God. And you understand that these are all sermons in and of themselves. The next breakthrough blocker that we must be removed out of our lives is an unworthy consciousness, or we could say it this way, sin consciousness. How many of you know you were, you were an old sinner? You got saved by grace, but now you and I are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. See, righteousness is a free gift from heaven. It's the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness that you and I can receive at the new birth that will enable us to stand in the presence of God without a sense of guilt or inferiority, just as if sin never existed before. And if you can stand in the presence of a holy God, you can certainly stand strong in the Lord in front of the enemy and cast him out and cast down his imaginations. Woo, glory to God. Say it with me, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, the third uh, breakthrough blocker that is of utmost important that we keep our foot on top of is fear. God didn't give us a what? He didn't give you a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. I'll tell you what fear does is fear keeps us from stepping out. So that God's supernatural power stays bottled up. How many of you know that stepping out, praise God, requires courage? 
We need to step out and walk by faith and not by sight in spite of the fears that may come against us. Understand this, that fear comes from the outside. But faith is on the inside. And when you walk by faith, you've got world overcoming victory, amen, and it dispels fear and it puts it on the run. So many people are wondering in this day and in this hour, what's going to happen? What's going on? The NIV of Luke 22, 21, 26 says, people will faint from terror and they'll be apprehensive about what they see, what's coming on the world. Men's hearts fainting them for expectation of the bad things that are coming on the world. Folks, I want to just say this to you today. If fear, if you, if you can have fear of the future, you can have faith for your future. See, what fear does, fear expects the worst. But thank God, faith expects the best. People that are in faith, and that's you and that's me, we courageously expect a bright future. See, the enemy wants us to have hell on earth. But the plan of God is for you and I to have, come on somebody, days of heaven upon the earth. I just sent Brenda a dozen roses for our 43rd birthday. It wasn't the only thing I got her, but our anniversary, 43rd birthday, that'd be nice. Anyway, (laughs) and one of the things I said on the card was, it's been so good these past 43 years. It's been days of heaven upon earth. And that's the kind of life that Jesus came to give you and I, not days of fear and torment. I prophesy over you that God's got a glorious future for you. You need to believe that, think that, talk that, and live just like that. For he said in Jeremiah, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you. And the thoughts that I'm thinking toward you are thoughts of peace and not of evil. I want to give you an expected end. How many of you know he knows the future? And you and I should not be scared about the future He's got plans to prosper you. He's got plans to increase you. He's got plans for the USA. He's got plans for COVID-19 to go right back where it came from, from hell itself. He's got plans for this nation. He's got plans for the body of Christ. We're the glorious church. We're not the grungy church. We're going to occupy till he comes. We're not going to... Be scared, hiding in a cave, hiding in our homes. Glory to God. We're going to be about our Father's business. We're going to advance the kingdom of God. And God will cause all good things to be added to us. Oh, my goodness. I feel like a preaching today. Amen. Look forward to your future. See, as ends and ends and ages go by, I promise you, God will never peak. We are going to experience the riches of his grace and the riches of his glory as the days go by. Hallelujah. Now, I want to give you some cliff notes this morning from the life of David. How many of you know David? You know, David had some highs. He had some in-betweens and he had some lows. We could say it this way that David had some good. David had some bad and David had some ugly. Okay, but let's talk just for a moment about David. David was an unlikely choice, wasn't he? You know, when Samuel came down to anoint 
the, one of Jesse's sons who would be the next king of Israel in replacement of King Saul. All the brothers came forth and Samuel said, that's not the one. He's not the one. Do you have anyone else? Is there anyone else in the house? Well, we got this young, you know, teenager. I mean, this ruddy young teenager boy. He's out tending the sheep. We'll call him in. As soon as David walked in, Samuel got a witness that he was the one. You know why? Because God doesn't look at the outward appearance. I said God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He does not look at what's going on around us. But he looks on our heart. Amen. Say it with me. My father is looking on my heart. And so David in 1 Samuel 17, as a young teenager, he does the impossible. How many of you remember the story of, of uh, David and Goliath? I mean, David, I mean, Goliath is out there trying to swag and act real bad. You know, he's about eight foot tall. And here's David right here. But David said this, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That he should defy the armies of the living God. David didn't see the giant. He saw his God. We don't want to look at the giants that are in the land. We want to look at the greater one who's on the inside of us. We want to look at God Almighty, El Shaddai, El Elyon, the God who is more than enough. Hallelujah. So what happened to Goliath? That big boy went down, didn't he? David slew Goliath. He took his sling and he took that stone and he didn't run and back down from the giant. But David ran toward the giant. You know what? We should not be running away from the enemy. We should be running toward him. Hey, I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what the devil stole from me. I went to the enemy's camp and I took back my healing. I went, oh, hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. And then in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verses 18 through 21, you see some good, you see some bad, and you see some ugly. I mean, Saul's chasing after him. He tried to throw spears at him and pin him to the wall because Saul was so full of pride. He did not want David to replace him. David is hiding in a cave. He's running from Saul. That is a bad thing. But once he got the victory over that, he became the king of Israel. But one day he went out on his porch and he looked at a next-door neighbor's wife, and he saw her bathing, and he ended up committing adultery with Bathsheba. That's not right. That's ugly, and that's wrong. Not only is it wrong to commit adultery, but as a result of that, he put her husband out on the front lines so that he knew that he would actually be killed. And so here's adultery, and here's murder. Here's some ugly things happening in David's life. How many of you know there were consequences for David? His very own son died. But here's one thing about David. David repented. And David got restored. I wonder what would happen if those in the body of Christ that needed to repent, repented. Now, I'm not judging and I'm not pointing fingers at anyone, but I'm telling you, God wants the body of Christ clean. He wants the body of Christ walking under the banner of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall ascend into the holy hill of God? It's those that have a contrite 
and a pure heart. Point to yourself and say, that's me. Point to your neighbor and say, that's you, that's you, that's you. See, I'm giving you the cliff notes of this message. But David repented. And David was restored. How many of you know that failure in our lives does not have to be final? Just because we have failed does not mean we are failures. Nowhere in the Word of God can you open up the Bible and say, we are more than failures because the enemy beat us up. No, we see we're more than conquerors. Say it maybe real strong, I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. And through all of these things, David was restored. And he stood up one day and he began to prophesy and to declare. It really is a, a portrait of a legacy of David's life, how that he was all in for God and how he gave him glory. It says in 1 Chronicles 29, 10 through 13, Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation and blessed the God of Israel, our father. And he said, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness in your power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and on earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted above all. You take time to read David's life. You look at the book of Psalms. Was not David a praiser? Was he not a worshiper? So I want to take a quick peek into David's life. I want to look at five things that David did that positioned him for continuous breakthroughs in his life. And if you and I will do these five things, you and I can be well positioned to see the obstacles that stand in our way completely removed. Are you ready? Number one, David was a bold, was bold, and he was confident in the midst of battle. He was bold. He was confident. And the scripture we'll look at is Psalm 27. And I want you to notice verses 1 through 3. And notice how he personalizes this. He said in verse 1, the Lord is my light. He's my salvation. I will not be afraid. He is the strength of my life. Hallelujah. Then he went on to say in verse 2, when the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, come upon me to eat up my flesh, what happened to them? They stumbled and they fell. Though an host would encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war would rise against me, in this will I be confident. What was he confident in? He was confident that the Lord was his light. Say it with me, the Lord is my light. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is the captain of my salvation. And so number one, he was bold. That means that he trusted God. I have a question for you this morning, and I already know the answer. But are you trusting God, or are you paralyzed by fear? Number two, he was a passionate worshiper. You track this down through Psalms 27, just a glorious psalm. He was a passionate worshiper. He said in verse 4, he said, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that's what I'm going to seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. He's worshiping God. He's praising God. 
Now notice in verse 5, he says, For in the time of trouble, he's going to hide me in his pavilion. He's going to put me in the secret place of the Most High. In the secret of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. Say that with me. He's hiding me in plain sight. I'm hidden in Christ. Now notice verse 6. And now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies. Did he not say you're the head and not the tail? You're above and not beneath. He said, because I've sought the Lord, I have been put in the secret place of the Most High. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies. It's important what we allow in our head. It's important what we allow in our minds. If we do not live in an atmosphere of praise and worship, there will be things that will cause us to be downtrodden. Instead of a head lifted up, we'll be looking down. But here's what David did. And here's what you and I can do. And as a result, say it with me, my head shall be lifted up above my enemies. I mean, all around me. Yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Come on, saints. We will fear no evil. And then he goes on to say, therefore, because of this, I'm going to offer in this tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I'm going to sing. Yes, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Come on, about 10 seconds of praise, folks. Come on. Glory to God. Glory to God. Go ahead and put your flesh under. Put your flesh under. Give him some praise in the house today. Give him some praise on the parking lot today. Woo! Now shall my head be lifted up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. He was a passionate worshiper. He pursued God and it enlarged his view of God. Number three, we have already looked at it, but this is so true. He was contrite. He was repentant and he was honest. He just threw himself over on the mercy of God. David didn't hide his sin from God. He was honest with God. I mean, once Nathan pointed the finger at him, I mean, David just completely opened up. In verse 7, it says, Hear, my Lord, when I cry my voice. Have mercy upon me and answer me. When you said, Seek my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face I'm going to seek. Hide not thy face from me. Put not thy servant in anger, for you are my help. Leave me not, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. Can't you hear his heart? He said, O God, have mercy on me. O God, take not your spirit from me. In verse 10, he says, when my father and my mom forsook me, the Lord took me up. And then verse 11, it says this. Put your hand over your heart and say it with me. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path. Lead me in a right path because of my enemies. How many of you know, dear brothers and sisters, 
The Lord is near unto all that call on him. So David owned his mistakes. He was ruthlessly honest with God. And God drew near to him with mercy and grace. Number four, how many of you know David was a fierce warrior? He didn't back up and he didn't back down. You and I are in the war of our lives. But thank God we've got glory weapons. The weapons of our warfare, everyone say warfare. They're not carnal. But they are mighty through God. For what? For the pulling down of strongholds. Tony Cook said it like this. You're either pulling down strongholds or strongholds are pulling you down. He said you're either casting down imaginations or imaginations are casting you down. So just like David was a fierce warrior, you and I are in the Lord's army. I said you and I are in the Lord's army. And he has given us all of the resources and all of the equipment to go into this battle and win every time. Hallelujah. Are we not clothed with the whole armor of God? Are not our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace? Have we not the helmet of salvation? How about this, the breastplate of righteousness? How about this one, the shield of faith? What happens when you take that shield of faith and you put it down, ka-chunk, hallelujah? The Bible says that it quenches all of the flaming missiles of the wicked one. See, we do not fight with carnal weapons. We, we fight with Holy Ghost weapons. We overcome evil that's in the world by maintaining a good posture. We overcome, everyone say, I overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of my testimony. Ooh, hallelujah. David said, teach me, Lord. Lead me in a straight path. Show me your way. How many of you know when you step out and you step in, and you step up in the plan of God, there's going to be some giants. But you know what? The same God who caused Goliath to fall will send forth his power and cause all of your enemies to be scattered. I hear the Lord saying, he may come against you one way, but oh, thank God, he's going to flee before you seven ways. Amen? And so David was a fierce warrior. You and I are in the army of the Lord. And as part of being in the arm of the, of the Lord, we are to endure hardness. In Timothy, he says this, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. There are difficult times. There are perilous times. There are some challenges that we are facing. But the Bible says, that we can be strong, come on somebody, we can be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. There is grace for our race. There is strength for our race. And when He strengthens you in this race, He's going to enable you to persevere in the difficult times. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Brenda and I have been in ministry really since the day 
You know, we got married even before then. We've been married 43 years. We've been through some difficult times. We've been through some challenges. We have seen hard days and hard times. But I'm telling you what, God was there every step of the way. And God will never leave you. And he will never forsake you. He will be with you. He will be for you. And he will cause you to make it through those difficult days. Amen. Let's all stand, not stand up, but let's all lift up our hands and give God praise. Woo! Glory to God. You can stand up if you want to. Glory to God. And David said this. Deliver me not unto the will of my enemies. For false witnesses rise up against me, such as breathe out cruelty. He was a fierce warrior for God's agenda. Hello, everybody up there. Praise the Lord. He's expecting him to work. And number five, say it with me. David was a faithful servant. Now, what this means is, is that David just didn't give up. What this means is David... Even though he had some rough spots, David finished well. And I sense the Lord saying this, you can finish well if you'll trust me. For I have already begun a good work in you. And I'm not finished yet. So open up your heart and let me, the author and the finisher of your faith, finish And complete what I have started in you. I am the great performer. I will watch over you. And I will watch over your faith to perform it and to bring it to pass. Say with me, thank you, Lord. You've begun a good work in me. And I invite you to complete and to finish what you have started in my life. Will he do it? Just think a minute what David had been through. And in verse 13 of Psalms 27, he said, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And then he said, wait on the Lord and be of good courage and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Despite of everything that happened, David said, I'm going to finish well. I'm going to persevere. Amen? So what have we learned today? We've learned, number one, that David trusted God. Number two, we found that David pursued God. Number three, we found out that David was honest with God. Number four, we found out that he followed God. And number five, we found out that he finished well. Oh, folks, when you do those five things, his power is going to be released in your life. Everyone say breakthrough is coming my way. Hallelujah. Now, in closing, and I do mean in closing... One of the definitions of a breakthrough is this. It is a major achievement or success that permits further progress. On October 14th, 
1947. You remember that day, don't you? At Edwards Air Force Base, right here in our state of California, there was a young pilot by the name of Chuck Yeager. He accomplished something that no man had been able to do. He broke the sound barrier. Many people had attempted to do this. And many people had failed. And many people backed down and backed off because of the fear of the unknown. Folks said, no, I I can't do that. I'm afraid that the, the plane couldn't handle it. If you watch that scene in the movie, you'll see Chuck Yeager flying. And on the meter in the jet, you'll see the number 93. That means he's getting closer. And then you'll see the number 96. He's getting closer. And then you'll see the number 97. He's getting closer. And then you'll see the number 98. He's getting really close. Oh, and the plane is shaking. The plane is shaking uncontrollably. And he reaches number 99. Then all of a sudden, in the midst of all that shaking, how many of you know there's a whole lot of shaking going on right now in our nation? Hold steady. Hold fast. Don't take your hand off the word. Don't take your hand off the control. Don't back down. Back off. Come on. What do you say? We soar in the kingdom of God. Amen. Woo! Aha. This is a lot easier than it looks. But suddenly... He got into Mach 1. Woo-hoo! The needle on the gauge broke loose. He loses radio contact. But then he hits a smooth sky. Right before he broke the sound barrier, it looked like all hell was breaking loose. But he held steady. And breakthrough came. On the other side of COVID-19 is a sweet calm. On the other side of all of the hellish things that are going on in the cities across this nation is glorious victory. Come on, somebody. I would have fainted. I would have fainted if all I did was watch Fox News and CNN and MSNBC. I would have fainted if I would have listened to all the doomsday stuff. If I had not believed to see the goodness of God. God's not done with the church yet. We haven't reaped the harvest that needs to be reaped yet in the United States of America. I don't know how long it's going to take. It might take a day. It may take a week. It may take a month. But how many of you are all in with me? We're believing to see the goodness of God in the USA. Amen. Woo! Hallelujah. Just think about that. On the other side of all that turmoil was a great calm. Hallelujah. And you know what happened is once that occurred, other people had faith to do it. Once that, what, folks, once a barrier is broken, other people can go right on through. But it takes some barrier breakthroughs. It takes some breakthrough people. It takes some praying people who will weep between the porch and the altar, who will intercede and pray and believe God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. It takes people like you and I that will hold fast 
to the confession of our faith, that will hold fast to the truths that we have heard and the truths that we knew. Then breakthrough will come and we shall see the goodness of God. Amen. Well, I've done my best today to preach the word to you. I realize that, you know, it might be cliff notes, but this word has also been premiered at 9 a.m. this morning. If you want more in-depth on it, listen to it, watch it. You will be blessed. Praise God. Honey, come on up. Amen. Hallelujah. Wow. When Pastor was preaching that awesome message and there at the end when he gave that illustration of, of breaking the sound barrier, am I still got the power? I think I do, right? Y'all hear me? I, w- I was reminded, and some of you may have remembered this as a kid, we lived uh, only about an hour from Tulsa, and there was a big uh, air station there, and that's where they would break the sound barrier on a regular basis. And any time that they would, we'd be outside playing, and we would hear it. And my dad would say, oh, that's just a sonic blast, and it was like a kaboom. You could just hear it. You could see them uh, in the sky doing that. And as Pastor was using that illustration, it kept coming up in my heart that there are some kabooms happening in the realm of the spirit. There are breakthroughs. There are people that are breaking out of the barriers, like he said. But I just heard that word, kaboom, kaboom, hallelujah. So just pray with me for a moment. Right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this anointed word that we have heard. And we know, Lord, there are breakthroughs. Ha, ha, ha. Our breakthroughs are coming, whether it's a financial breakthrough, a physical breakthrough, jobs, jobs, better jobs. But we declare it over the lives of our precious friends and members of the church here. And Lord, we declare it over our nation. Now, everybody just say this. Kaboom. 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 We hear the sound. Like the prophet of old, he said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. We hear the sound of breakthroughs right now in the name of Jesus. I don't know exactly what that sounds like in your life. But keep your spiritual ears open. Keep your eyes on me, says the Lord. And listen, listen, ha, ha, ha. Be expecting, umbre kashanta. Be expecting and be looking for that breakthrough. <laughs> now, Father, in the name of Jesus, we do offer our supply over our nation. So many realms that need breakthroughs. We need a realm in the realm of the political, in the realm of the economic, in the realm of the social division. Oh, my, 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 my. We are not going to be listening to the sounds of the devil. We are not going to be listening to the sounds of defeat and division. We are listening and we are expecting the sound of breakthroughs. The sound of unity in our nation. Oh, the sound of revival. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, my 
We thank you, Lord, for that spiritual awakening. We thank you, Lord, for breakthroughs. Hallelujah. 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 Let's just worship the Lord here. Hallelujah. There's a breaking in my favor. There's a shifting in my. 